The final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. We are in a battle. It's a battle for our lives, for our very souls. Are you prepared? Do you have what it takes? Have you put on the armor? Are you ready to fight? Do you even know what you're fighting for? Is it worth it? Good morning, TBA. My name is Brian Legg. I'm one of the pastors here on our lead pastor team. So glad you could come out for worship this morning. And Before I jump into anything else, I want to tell you this. Last service I had three or four people that came up to me and went, you didn't fill out the blanks for the outline. Okay, here's the deal. I think you guys are smarter than first service. So here's what I'm going to tell you. I promise I will give you every answer that is on your outline. But they're not on the slide, so you've got to listen and pay attention so you can fill in the blanks. So when we get to the end of service, I want to see who got their blanks filled out and their outline, all right? I'm confident you guys can do this. We're keeping, or finishing up our series this morning, Keep Calm and Carry On. We've been talking about the storms and the trials of life and the things that we walk through. And as we wrap up, I look back across the last three weeks and what are the things that, that we have explored together? And, and I look at those things and I go, you know, often life just feels like we're in the middle of a war. You ever feel that way? It's like you go from one battle to the next, to the next, to the next. It's a battle with your spouse, a battle with your kids, a battle with your friends, a battle with health, a battle with finances. Sometimes it's even a battle with ourselves. But it feels like we're constantly in battle, and, and the battles come from all different directions and all different shapes and sizes, and there's some of them that they are small and the victories are easy. And then there's some of them that are huge, and they leave these gaping wounds that it seems like you can't ever recover from. And then there's some where you just feel like you lost completely, and you wonder, what happened? I was thinking about that this past week, and I thought, how do we wrap up this series? You know, we've talked about the storms of life. We've talked about how storms are going to come, and they are, and you've experienced that. You've walked through them. We've talked about how God shapes our character in the midst of storms. As we walk through trials, he's refining us and shaping us. Last week, Brian talked about Satan and, and how he attacks us and the role that he plays and the role that we're supposed to play and how all that works together. And I look at those things and I go, okay, well, what do we need to know as we wrap this up? What is it we need to talk about? And after praying and spending some time reading and talking to our team, this is what it came down to. We need to understand why we're in the fight at all. Why are we fighting? Why are we involved in this? Why do we keep going like this? I mean, what's the point? Wouldn't it be easier just to give up? Wouldn't 
it'd be easier just to give in to whatever Satan wants. I mean, isn't he like the, the, the bully in the schoolyard where if you just give in, it'll be better, he'll leave you alone, everything will be good? I wish it worked that way. But it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. So why are you fighting? Or are you? Are you even fighting at all? That passage I started with this morning is from Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 6. Here's Paul. He understands battle. He's talking about this is how you have to stay in the fight. This is how you are equipped and are ready for it. Paul knows battle. He went through persecution all the time. He was constantly being persecuted for his faith. And when you look at his life, half the time when he was writing these letters, he was sitting in prison writing the letters. In fact, look at the two verses that follow what I just read to you. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him, as I should. Paul's in chains. He's in prison. He's being persecuted for his faith. And what's he praying for? He's praying that God would give him courage to keep proclaiming his message, to keep preaching the gospel, to stay in the fight. And I look at Paul and I look at all the things that he writes and all the things that have happened to him and and I go, man, I wish I could just sit down with Paul and ask him some questions. Paul, why? Why did you keep fighting? Why did you go through all the stuff you were going through? What was the point? What was it that was driving you? Paul went through some major pain and suffering. He had attempts on his life. He spent, it seemed like most of his time in prison in chains, being persecuted for his faith. What was it that kept you so focused and so determined? And you know, Paul answers those questions several times throughout the New Testament in many of his letters. But there's one passage in particular that I kept coming back to, and I went, that's how we got to wrap up this morning. And I would encourage you guys, mark this down. You can take this with you. You can mark it in your Bible, highlight it, mark it in your app, whatever you've got to do. Put it somewhere that you can come back to it easily. Because this passage alone, just as you read Paul's words, will help you understand why we're in this fight and why we can't give up. It helps us to shift our focus to the direction it needs to go. If we're going to survive this life and receive God's promises for eternity, we've got to understand this. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 5. And I'm going to read through the whole rest of the chapter. I want you to hear the whole thing in context as Paul states it, and then we'll go back and pick some of it apart and talk about life application. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. 
All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Do you hear some of the parallels in there? If you were here last week, Stavi talked about some of these things. He talked about how Satan was created to be a reflector of God's glory, to be a reflector of his light. But he allowed pride to, to slip in. And he be, came to this position where he wanted to be the most powerful and where he wanted to be the one that knew everything. And when pride kicked in, he fell. And now he's the prince of darkness. But God has said, we are going to take his place. He created us to be those same reflectors or bearers of his image, to reflect his light, to reflect his glory to the world around us. Listen to what it says in verse 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. Think about a clay jar, how easily it's broken, how easily it's chipped or nicked or banged up. And that's what we're like. We're broken people. We break easily. We have all of these flaws, all of these imperfections, but that is how God's light is shown through us. It's in those imperfections, in that brokenness, where people see God through us. Stavi reminded us last week that as we become more like Christ, it becomes less and less about us and more and more about Him because He shines through our brokenness. We are pressed on every side by our troubles, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. We are in the battle. And God allows us to go through hard times. Why wouldn't He? Of course, we're going to go through hard times. We're going to face obstacles that seem impossible to overcome. But look at how Paul describes it. God never lets our troubles crush us. He never lets us be completely destroyed. He never abandons us, even though it feels that way a lot of times. You remember a couple weeks ago we talked about the refining that God allows us to go through and how sometimes we're in the hottest part of the fire. And those are the moments where it seems like the world is crashing around us and it seems like everything's going wrong and it seems like we're going to perish. And in those moments we so often go, God, where are you? Are you even with me? Do you even see what I'm going through? And the reality is that those are the moments where God is closest to us. Because when we're in that refining moment, when we're in the hottest part of the fire, that's when he is watching us the most intently because he wants to see those impurities burn away so that he can pull us out of the fire at just the right moment and mold us and shape us into his creation, into who he wants us to be. That's when he wants to shape us into something pure and beautiful that reflects his glory. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Think about everything Jesus went through for us. Think about all the suffering that he went through. It wasn't because he sinned or did anything wrong. It was because you and I screwed up. 
was because you and I sinned. He went through all of that. Of course we're going to face some suffering. Of course we're going to face some pain. We're going to deal with those things. Why shouldn't we? And we think we're suffering? Really? When you put it in perspective and you think about all that Christ has been through, when you think about the agony that He went through, the persecution, the wrongful trials, His death, and we're suffering? Listen to what else Paul's saying here. We're going through the suffering that we face because that is how the life of Jesus is shared with others. Dave made a statement in the first week of this series that has stuck with me. And I know it's stuck with some of you too because we've talked about it. He talked about how God is not as concerned with our comfort in this life as He is with our character in the next life. Think about that. Let us soak in a minute. God is not as concerned with our comfort in this life as He is with our character in the next life. See, here's the problem. Our perspective is temporal. But God's perspective is eternity. He is looking at eternity and He is shaping us for eternity and He is preparing us for eternity. But we can't see that because we're stuck in the details of our lives today. And we look at all the circumstances surrounding us and we get caught there. In reality, the trials and the storms we face, the battles that rage in our lives, they're giving opportunity for God to reveal His glory in and through us. They're opportunities for our faith to be strengthened, of course, for our character to be built. We've talked about all those things, but more, they're opportunities for others to see God through our lives, for His glory to be revealed. And how is that? How is that? Because every time God's glory is revealed, there is hope offered that is beyond our understanding, is beyond explanation, is beyond this life that we know or try to understand. And what's the difference when you look at someone who's following Christ compared to someone who's lost in this dark and dying world? There's one thing that's different. Only one. And it's hope. It's the hope that we have. It's the hope that we have in eternity with God. It's the hope that we have of God's glory being revealed. That is the only difference. A hope of life without trials and storms. A hope of life that is perfected. And that's what Paul's reminding the Corinthians about as he writes these things. It's what he's saying to us as well. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said... I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to Himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Do you ever stop and think about that? Though our bodies are dying... We're on a journey of death here on earth. Our bodies are dying. The older we get, the more you feel like you're dying, right? You start to see those things. We have perspective of that. But our bodies are dying. But our spirit's being renewed. God's preparing us and shaping us for the future. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, but rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. If we're going to stay in the battle, our perspective has to start changing. 
If we are going to stay in the battle, our perspective has to start changing. We have to begin to see life with an eternal perspective. We have to start looking beyond our circumstances, looking beyond our situation, looking beyond the trials that we face on earth to see how God is shaping us for the future and to know that there is something better that is coming. Not just better, perfect. There's something perfect coming. We have to begin to live life with the hope of eternity with God, understanding it's not an earthly prize that we're chasing after, but it's a heavenly prize. See, today's topic, the title of the message, and we put this on cards like over a month ago, was Perseverance of the Saints. And I've got to be honest, as I started studying this week, I was like, I'm not sure I'm even going to hit that topic. I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. But when you step back and you think about it and you look at it, that's what all this is about. It's how Paul persevered because he had eternal perspective. It's how he looked at life that allowed him to go through the trials and the journeys that he went through because he wasn't worried about the junk that he was walking through in the moment. He was worried about making it and reaching that heavenly prize. And that doesn't mean that Paul didn't have struggles. It doesn't mean that he didn't have fights that he went through. He had tons of struggles. And Paul was human like you or I. Even though Scripture doesn't show us his struggles, I would just almost guarantee that he felt the same discouragement you and I feel from time to time. And I'm sure he felt down and he felt beat up and he felt all of those things because you watch the battles he walked through. But you know what's different about Paul? He was constantly readjusting his focus. He was constantly changing how he was looking at life and the perspective that he had. And he was bringing it back to this eternal focus to go, God is preparing me for something more. And he was hoping in that promise that he would be perfected and God's work in him would be completed as he stepped from this life into eternity. That was the hope that he was living his life with. It's that promise the wrongs will be made right, the broken relationships will be restored, the sickness and disease will be healed, that life will be made perfect. There will be no more suffering. Revelation 21 says it like this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. And this is the part I love. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death and no sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Gone forever. When you know you can count on that day coming... You can endure a lot more here on earth, can't you? When you can look at that perspective and you know that it's all going to be be made right and all the pain and suffering is going to be taken away, relationships are going to be restored, things are going to be made right, it allows us to go through a lot of different things, doesn't it? We can rest in the hope that the pain and suffering will come to an end and that life will be made perfect. Imagine that. Imagine what it would be like. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Because we don't experience life that way. We've never experienced life that way. Because we're not living in perfection. We're living in a broken world. And so our perspective is skewed by the struggles that we face. I was reading a newspaper article just last night, and it was online. um, And some of you probably saw this, but there was a family that was traveling from Texas to Florida to go to Disney World. And their 16-year-old son was driving the SUV, and he fell asleep at the wheel and ran off the road. And when he woke up running off the road, he tried to overcorrect and ended up rolling the SUV. And out of eight family members, five were killed, including both parents. 
And I read that and I go, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? A 16-year-old boy that was driving survived that accident. And he lost five of his family members. How do you recover from that? What do you do? There's nothing here on earth that's going to take that pain away. There's nothing that's going to take that suffering away from that poor boy. But the only thing I can trust in is the hope that life will be made right at the end. And the hope that God gives us of eternity with Him and perfection and all that pain and suffering erased. That's the only thing we have to hold on to, is that hope. It's not just a better day to come, it's a perfect day to come. Everything made right, perfect peace like we have never and will never experience here on earth. Philippians 1.6 says it like this, And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That's something we can depend on. Because there's moments in life that we walk through that don't make any sense. And you look at it and you go, God, I don't have any clue what you're doing in me in this. I don't know why you're making me walk through this or why you're allowing me to go through this. But trusting that he will continue his work in us until it is made, it's finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus returns. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. He's talking about perfection here. Paul's saying, I've not achieved perfection. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, or through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He's looking to an eternal perspective. He's looking beyond the struggles that he has today in life to what God is promising for the future. And that's what we've got to do as well. I hope that as I come to the end of my life, I'll be able to say some of the same things that Paul said. 2 Timothy chapter 4 is, For me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race, and I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness with those, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. What are you looking forward to? What are you hoping for? Really, when you step back and you have perspective of your life, what are you hoping for? What are you placing your hope in? Are you just hoping that the storm you're walking through will be over soon? Are you just hoping that the wind and the waves will all die down and things will be better? Are you hoping for some relationship to be restored that's broken? Are you maybe even hoping that you'll get revenge on someone that has done you wrong? Are you just hoping that your financial situation will improve, that you'll get paid more at work, or things will happen in your life so that life's just easier and things are better? What are you hoping for? What perspective do you have when you look at your life? You see, our hope is not of this world. It goes beyond all the problems we face. It goes beyond our selfish desires. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ alone. Our hope is for eternity, not for this life. The only way that we're ever going to keep calm and carry on, like the series title suggests, is when we shift our perspective from the here and now and the struggles that we're walking through, and we shift our perspective to the one who walks through the struggles with us. 
See, so many times we get stuck in that rut of looking at all of our circumstances and looking at all the stuff we walk through and forgetting that God's walking through it with us. So where will you place your hope? What are you going to do with that? Because the storms aren't going to quit coming. The battles aren't going to quit coming. Life isn't going to get easier. What are you going to do with it? I want to challenge you this morning. If, if you're sitting here this morning and you've never made the decision to place your hope in Christ, I'm praying that today is the day that you choose to do that. And it's a simple process. It's simple, but it's hard. Because it's not easy to make that decision. Because, see, we're all kind of similar. I may be worse than the rest of you, but I like to control everything. I like to be in control of my own circumstances. I like to hold on to everything and kind of orchestrate it and make it work my way. And when we choose to follow God, He says, no, quit controlling, let me have it. Surrender. Give it up. Let me take care of that. And so it's a simple process of just surrendering. But it's hard to do. So I want to challenge you this morning. If you've never done that, make that decision this morning. Our prayer team is going to be up here in just a few minutes. After I pray, they'll be up here and you can, you can respond to them. But come and talk to one of these guys. Pray with them. Allow them to share their story with you. Allow them to talk about why they have hope. And why they see things a little differently. Let them share their story and pray together and begin that journey of trusting God with every step of your life, with every storm that you walk through. For some of you, maybe you committed your life to Christ a long time ago and you took that step to surrender to Him. But you're like me and you get in the middle of storms and you go, I've got to hold on to that. I've got to fix this. I've got to take care of this problem. Because it's so easy for us to lose perspective. And it's so easy for us to get distracted and bring it back to us and try to be our own God in our own situation. So maybe you just need to take some time to pray and ask God to shift your perspective, to help you see things with that eternal perspective, to see the hope that is there and to realize that your circumstances today aren't that big of a deal in the grand scheme, even though they may seem overwhelming. Maybe you need to pray with a friend. Maybe you want to come up front and pray with one of the guys. Maybe you just need to sit in your seat and pray. It doesn't matter. Do what you need to do. Be obedient as God speaks to your spirit. For all of us, for all of us, we need to daily be putting on the armor like Paul told us. We need to be daily preparing for battle and getting our focus pointed in the right direction. We have to arm ourselves so that we can fight back against Satan's attacks. Band and prayer team, you guys come on. As I close this morning, I want to go back to that passage I started with today. Talking about putting on the armor. But as I read this, I want to read it to you from the message. And the message is a paraphrase of Scripture. It's, the author basically took Scripture in its original form and wrote it in a common day language. And so the translation is not always exactly right, but he does a really good job of communicating the heart and a lot of it. And I want you to listen to the words and let them just soak into you. And that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, 
a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. So be prepared. You're up against more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's Word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Let those words soak in. Prepare yourself daily for the battle of life that you're going to face. And choose daily to trust God in that battle. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have given us what we need to be prepared for battle. You've given us your Son. You've given us the Holy Spirit to walk with us, really to do battle for us if we will simply surrender. But God, I know that that's the hard part. It's hard for us to give up. It's hard for us to trust you completely and to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, laid at your feet before you. But that's what you ask us to do. So God, I pray that this morning we would be able to respond in obedience. God, I pray that you would give courage. If there's someone here who has never made that choice to follow you, I pray that you would give them courage not to worry about what anybody else would think or or, or who's looking at them or anything else that's going on, but to be able to surrender to you and to ask you to be a part of their life, to take over their life and to lead them. I pray they would surrender their heart this morning. Give them courage to respond. God, for those of us who are doing our best to follow you, but just fall by the wayside sometimes and get caught up in the the obstacles of life and the things that surround us, help us to have a new perspective. Help us to step back and readjust our focus each day to remember that it's not about the circumstances we're walking through today. It's not about the junk that we'll face but it's about how you are forming and shaping us for eternity. Help us to remember that we are running for that heavenly prize and to keep that perspective in life. Speak to our hearts now, God, and help us to have courage to respond in obedience. In your name we pray. Amen.